Welcome to Catalytic Curiosity. I am your host, Jings with a Y O'Farren, with Catalytic Conversations. I serve remote professionals and hybrid organizations with coaching, consulting, and training to help them reconcile humanity and technology, leading to healthier, digitally integrated lives and teams. On this podcast, I am embarking on a journey of discovery to unearth the roots of digital mastery and maturity beyond mere adulting. I interview insightful and intriguing experts, exploring how we can develop sage-like maturity with intention in today's digitized world. Today's episode brings Jared Pollock to the table to talk about work-life balance. Jared is my business coach, and I am so honored to have him on the show today. Jared Pollock is an entrepreneur who accelerates the business of small business leaders. He ensures that anyone who works with them takes full advantage of the entree results atmosphere. Jared has read all the books and has gone through every trading, yet his genius stems from first-hand experiences working and living in the small business arena, which bolsters his ability to teach and learn from others. Jared uses his knowledge to bless the lives of friends, family, and those whose companies he serves. Jared is always learning, which allows him to adapt to whatever comes his way. He draws on thousands of hours of experience in coaching, consulting, and training. Although younger than his contemporaries, Jared is an old-timer in terms of experience. A firm believer in work-life balance, he's selective about the number of clients he takes to ensure time for his family. Work-life balance is actually one of Jared's core beliefs. The number of clients who asked for help in this area led him to write Balance, an informative book designed to inspire people to work on their personal lives as much as their businesses. Jared's second book, Entre Business, covers seven important business principles that are crucial for success. He also founded the Entre Results Academy, which allows business owners to access coaching at an affordable price. So in this episode, we talk about work-life balance, we talk a bit about his books, and we talk about how to intentionally develop a strong community and sense of meaning around you, and how to develop that for your own mental health. Again, welcome to Catalytic Curiosity. Welcome, Jared, to Catalytic Curiosity. I've been really excited uh, to have you on here because you are my business coach, <laughs> which I think is really awesome. And so I get to have one of my own mentors on here to share some of your wisdom. And you are a entrepreneur extraordinaire because you have all these things that start with entree so your entree results is your main company right and then you've got a bunch of other stuff you've got a couple of books uh entree balance and entree business uh you've got a bunch of you know different academies and pro you know different kinds of meetups and mastermind groups and all kinds of stuff you just put entree in front of all of them it's a great, it's a great way to do branding <laughs> so Jared, uh, thank you so much for being on here. What got you into entrepreneurship itself? And what have been some of the challenges that you've overcome in that journey? Man, first of all, awesome to be here, James. Certainly, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. Uh, the more time I can spend with people I care about, the better my life is. And really, at this point in my life, that's really what I do is I spend time with people that I want to spend time with. And as you uh, mature in your business, you have the ability to do that. Some people don't ever choose to do that. They just choose to be miserable and grow a business and make more money and their life is horrible. But like, why would you do that when you're- I know, miserable? people actually do that. They actually choose to do things that make them miserable. Like why? <laughs> any sense. Well, there's that's a deeper, probably a deeper podcast. Indeed, you know, indeed. But, um, but yeah, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't born an entrepreneur. I wasn't born with that thought process. And, and again, I think it's great working for somebody else. I think there's honor in working for someone else. And I so, was always grew up with this mentality of, 
uh, go to school, uh, you know, get good grades. I was always hardworking, get work for a company and, and work your way up the corporate ladder, essentially. And that's what I did really uh, for the standard American dream, my, right? My, uh, my career. And, and I was, I do remember though, that my first job out of college, a great company, um, but I was in the wine industry, which is a lot, it's cool for a lot of people to be in the wine industry right out of college. And I was selling wine for just a fantastic company, got trained a lot. But then I realized over Thanksgiving and, and over Christmas, the times where I wanted to be with my family or, you know, just have time off, I was working hard. I was working harder than I ever had been. And I got to the point where I was like, you know what, this is just not the path that I want to have for my life. And I was actually promoted from a salesperson to a sales manager. I was working my way up, but I, it just didn't, it didn't do it for me, even though it was a great company. And so then in 2006, I decided to, the end of 2005, I decided to leave my job without any plan in place. And I decided to take Sounds off. Sounds like you. <laughs> I know. There you go. I decided to take off and do some service-based projects with different Christian organizations and travel throughout the world. So again, mm -hmm. no particular a Christian denomination, but I, I, you know, was kind of really big into um, rediscovering uh, my faith to some degree, and I wanted to live that out on a day-to-day -day basis. So I traveled the world for a year, did missionary work with different Christian groups, served orphans and widows, and built homes, and and then I ran out of money, James. <laughs> I ran out of money. You started off with not having a plan, and then running out of money. That those seem to go together. <laughs> And so the, the reality was, I was like, man, what do I want to, what do I want in life? Like, what, what do I want in life? And I was like, you know what? I, I want a reasonable amount of money and I want a reasonable amount of time to do the things I'm passionate about and serve other people. Mm. And it's like, okay, what can I do where I can have a reasonable amount of time and a reasonable amount of money? And, and then I sort of, this was early on before coaching and cons I mean, co consulting was certainly there, but coaching was new and I started reading up on it. I was like, man, I kind of want to be a coach. I kind of want to be a life coach is what I thought about. And then a life coaching is honorable. You can make a lot of money. But at that time, I was like, you know what? In order to be able to do the financial things that I wanted, I wanted to have sort of business with life, business and life, and they're intertwined. But with business, there was a little bit more of a clear um, ROI for working with me. And so I liked that. But then again, I never wanted to help someone create a business that would give them a bad life. And so I can combine the two and really that year of missionary work, I learned entrepreneurship. I learned to do different things and, and I really have grown as an entrepreneur since then. That is awesome. I love that. And particularly like the, the, the motivation initially was finding a sense of balance where you had, it's like, I just, I don't want to get overbalanced in this other direction. I want to recover a sense of balance and be able to spend time with my family and all these kinds of things. And I know so many people when they start jumping into the freelance route, which is very common with web developers and you know technologists where they like, well, I want a bit more independence in my life and I want to get out of the, you know, the, the dungeon of the office and strike out. And they don't realize they're becoming an entrepreneur by doing that, uh, becoming a freelancer, that solopreneur mindset. And that's one of the traps that's so huge and so common fall into is just working all the time and they lose their family. They lose their the holistic aspect of their life. And this is something that really happens nowadays a lot in the digital online world is people are just losing that sense of touch with the people around them, even though they're at home, they're not at home. Yes. Right. So what are some of the ways, the things that you've learned? I mean, you wrote a book, Entrebalance, 
um, about work on your personal life as much as your business. And what does that look, talk, talk a little bit about that. What was that? Well, what was writing the book journey about possibly as well, but what, yeah. what, what spawned you to write about that in particular? Well, it's interesting. And, and that's why I love everything. Everything I, I put out in the, it, it's really about helping me first. Sometimes a lot of it's about helping me get better and grow. And when you think about the book Balance. It's really about me and my life, although it's not a, it's not specifically, it's a fictional story that has some principles about life. And it really was, it, the, the story is, is a great balance because it's also about someone who was a workaholic mm -hmm. and was losing his family. And it was all about this next step, this promotion. So certainly there was a lot in, in me in there, although it's a fictional, fictional mm -hmm. story and, and got to a certain point where something happened, I don't want to give the, the book away totally, but something happened that jarred him, that, that changed, they began to change the way he thought. And he kind of, this main character started going on a, on a different path and slowly learning some things along the way mm. to, to have it, uh, the, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, I'll give you the baseline of one thing that you have to have. And this takes, this is hard for people, but if you don't understand why you exist as a human being, why you're alive, mm. Um, you know, why God created you, if that's the viewpoint you have, like I do, then mm -hmm. it's going to be very difficult to yeah. find shalom and peace in your life in the, until you have that discovered. So for me, a lot yeah. of it's about purpose. And again, you know, your why? I'm, I'm, yeah, my why. And I'll, I'll be totally transparent from a, from a Christian worldview standpoint, I have mine. And so I'm not even mm -hmm. saying that it has to be yours, but until you've discovered what that is mm -hmm. and you're, you're doing things that are outside of your purpose and your value system, there's going to be a sense of disconnect. There's just impossible yeah to be content with life if you're living outside of that. So I can, we can share a dialogue about a lot of little nuggets, yeah. a lot of practical things along the way. But the deeper thing is, mm -hmm. you know, why, why am I here? Why do I exist? And when I figured that out and when that was more revealed to me, um, it changed everything. Would you say that that's because it helps to provide a sense of perspective where one thing in your life is, has a harder time consuming everything else when it's always able to be held in contrast to something bigger and more significant. So your work is not that why. And so it's harder for it to take over everything in that sense. Is that, is that kind of, it helps create that sense of grounding in a sense to balance that out. I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, grounding it's, it's the rock in which you build, you build everything and work mm -hmm. is beautiful. Yes. And it's wonderful. And it's a part of purpose. Hopefully Mm -hmm. But it's not. You should serve that purpose. It's the thing. It's the thing that 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 lives out the purpose. It's not the purpose itself, which right. is right. a big aha for people. Absolutely, absolutely. So you mentioned in in the story, the character encounters something you know big and traumatic. It shifts things, which how sure. good stories work. Was there a particular moment in your life that mirrored that that you drew inspiration from there? That was like a big, huge, like hitting the wall moment that really helped shift that experience for yeah, you. That's a, that's a that's a great that's a great question. I think. There's a couple things that change things L later on, really going on these trips and, and try when you travel to just say Latin America, or you travel to mm -hmm. a place um, like Haiti, oh my goodness, you, yeah. you, you, you experience the world in a different way. Mm -hmm. You see things in a different way. And so certainly getting away from the normal routine and doing something bold like that and serving people that in itself changes you. So that was certainly a part of the story a little bit mm -hmm. in regards to the main character ends up uh, 
serving a community in in a different country building a water well actually which oh is yeah kind of random how it turns out but i've you know i, I built water wells in, in mm -hmm. uh, different countries as well so that that's something that jarred me but then but for me i i moved also you know i moved from missouri to texas didn't know anybody started my job and so like i was alone i never experienced loneliness before oh gosh this might be a good mm. segue Oh, man, is, my yeah. discovery because you know in 2003 out of college i went and i worked in houston and i was lonely i've never experienced loneliness before i've uh, never experienced that i've had i mean i have great friends yeah. all around me my whole life but when you go somewhere and it's outside of college outside of sort of that community and you're mm -hmm. away from things and you're isolated even if you're yeah. around people there's a loneliness and so i felt a deep sense of loneliness in my yeah. life well um, simultaneously, I, uh, let's just say I discovered or realized, um, who Christ was in my life at that time mm -hmm. too. So there's certainly a spiritual aspect of it. So you had loneliness, mm -hmm. you had a spiritual aspect hitting hand in hand, and that catapulted me to be, um, a new creation to some degree. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Cause it, it, loneliness really is a huge issue right now. And it is directly part of that balance where you, you've lost, a huge part of what it means to be human is to have those relationships and that community and that connection around us. So what did you do to resolve that? How did you, how do you intentionally set about networking and developing that community when, when you're feeling stuck or feeling you're like new place, don't know anybody. I, I just came, moved to Fargo, uh, North Dakota in May, knowing, you know, almost nobody. Uh, only people I knew there, I, I had met on the previous trip over. <laughs> sure. And I dove in and was intentional about setting up community and building that network. But what, what was your experience in doing that? What, what are some of the things that you learned along the way? Yeah. Well, I think as I was articulating my own why for life, spending time with people that they don't have to have the exact same why, but a, you're on a similar mm -hmm. path together. So associating right. with people that are on a similar path together. I know uh, a lot of times, maybe it's cliche, but if you want to know who you are, look at your five or six people that you spend the most amount of time with. Absolutely that true, though. That, that's, a, that's a good way to know who you spend time with. So I wanted to um, invest in, 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 in connecting with other people that, that was around me. So that was something that I did as well. And it takes time. It's not a fast thing, but if you don't, if you're not intentional, it's going to, you're never going to find that. And so I was just went out and connected with people and, and, and that's kind of how I started the process. Love it. <laughs> but looking at and finding people, not just common interests, but a common path, um, those common values is, is really important. Are there, are there like particular uh, ways in which you're able to find out about something? Is this like that instinct of like resonance with somebody or are there particular like tactics or like conversations, <laughs> questions that you asked or? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. And I think you hit, you hit it straight up because I, first of all, I love dialoguing with people that have totally different views of me. Oh, yeah. So I, I enjoy oh, yeah, same. conversations with people that are vehemently against what I believe. Because right. we can do it in a way that's respectful and it's fun. And that's how you learn and you grow. We learn. In fact, even the books I read, I think I think one challenge a lot of people face is they read, it's groupthink to some degree. You read mm. what you want to read and you believe what you want to mm. believe. You can go deeper with that politically too or whatever, but mm. it's good to like, read the other side, experience the other side. So I love people with different views and things like that. Mm -hmm. However, 
when you talk about your inner core of friends, like your closest and closest friends, they can, they might have different interests, but your purpose and your meaning have to be semi-significant. And so I think that just, that just develops over time uh, in terms of developing that. So in terms of tactics, I think uh, the things that I, that I did was I liked, I like do, I like serving people. Well, let me just give you an example. My wife, for example. There you go. Great example. My wife, right? That's a good example. Well, <laughs> You know, my wife and I, we met in, in, you know, the things that we like to do, we like to serve people, we like to do missionary work together. So like, if you like to do serve people, if you like to help people, if you like to feed the homeless, for example, when my wife and I were first started dating, we spent, uh, well, actually, even after we got married, three years of our life serving people underneath a bridge in Houston, Texas, and, and every Wednesday night, we'd go under there, and it was pretty amazing, and so... Yeah. Like certainly when you're doing those type of things, it, it's mm-hmm. powerful, but on a, on a lighter note, I mean, I did intramural sports with people too. I, you know, I played mm-hmm. different sports and I think connecting with people that way mm-hmm. is a good thing to, to be in motion with people that are active mm-hmm. uh, and, and really like for me, even though I like the people at work, actually avoiding people that I worked with and meeting people outside of work was also very healthy for me because when I hung out with people mm-hmm. at work, then we just talked about work all the time, at least for the people I spent time with. And then you sort of got in this rut where you just, again, it's all about work all the time. Right. And um, I didn't want to be Lose that dimensional like that as well. The other thing that I did a good job of, which I think can be, well, I think my work forced me into this. And so I think this can be a challenge. Some people that move or are lonely, they live in the past a little bit too much. And I didn't mm. do that. Thank goodness. Like some people are always traveling back to where they're from or traveling somewhere every weekend like wherever you live, I, I just believe you, you plant your, your flag wherever you're at, like you're going to be there mm. for the rest of your life. Even if mm. you're, you know, you think you're going to move in a couple of years, no matter, like you treat where you're at, like you're going to be there for the rest of your life. I love that. That, that. that changes the way that you interact with other people. I love that. That's really, there's a huge sense that we've lost and it's a sense of place of anchoring and community that's local to us. And that's something that we really need as humans to have that sense of connection around us. And if you shift that mindset, that expectation, creating those connections um, would really change in that sense. I know here, you know, people complain a lot about being in Fargo. <laughs> and like, everywhere's better than Fargo, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it is kind of the Siberia of America. <laughs> uh, yes, we did move here on purpose, but there, there is a, a sense that because we moved here on purpose, right? Our mindset, the way we approach things here is so much different. Like we go outside, we're like, oh my goodness, it's so cool. There's snow everywhere. It was like, oh my goodness, there's snow everywhere. <laughs> right. Like I was, I was watching the other day and, and there's like those little tiny crystal flecks in this air. Like the sky was like full of glitter. It was like a status effect in a video game or something, or like, it was gorgeous. Like there's this beautiful light everywhere and of course it also meant that the roads were hazardous for driving on but it was beautiful and i really loved it and i was just you know bubbling over about it to my wife like this is so cool and people forget to look at those things when they are frustrated and glum and depressed i can't wait to get away from here but wherever you are if you look at i'm here on purpose even if you grew up there and you just happened, or you were forced to be there. If you choose, I'm here on purpose. That transforms your whole mindset. I love that. 
Now that's powerful. When you talk about mindset, this there's hours we can talk on, on the mind and, and mm. how that works, but but literally you look at the snow and, and look at its beauty mm-hmm. versus, oh, this is a, this is, this is a bad situation. I can't get to where I want to go or I'm mm-hmm. stuck inside. I can't mm-hmm. drive anywhere, man. I get to be inside and, and read or mm-hmm. communicate or man, I'm stuck inside, but my internet works so I can talk to people and <laughs> right. I can call people or, oh, well, I'm inside, but at least I'm not outside. I have heat inside or wow, I have hot water. I mean, there's a lot of mm-hmm. consistent about those things, the gratitude. Mm-hmm. And, and we talk about, I don't know if this is necessarily work-life balance, but I'm just going to share this because yeah. this is so, so paramount is I believe, you know, you win the morning and you win the day. And part I love of that, that is four things that I do to win the morning. And I'm, I'm, fair, I'm fairly consistent with it. And one of those four things is, is gratitude. Mm. Um, I, I exercise every morning too. I get some motion going on mm-hmm. for me. Um, I'm not in Fargo. So I go outside every morning and I run <laughs> or walk six or seven days a week. You run and walk you, uh, I pray, uh, every day I I thankful every day. And then the fourth thing, which is, it is about work-life balance, but it's about planning your day. So those are the four things I do in the morning and and plan, plan what your day looks like, or Mm -hmm. at least review what your day looks like. And so you you plan for the day, you pray for me. Some people meditate, do other things, Mm -hmm. exercise, and you say what you're thankful for that sets you up to win that day. Certainly. Mm -hmm. Because you're you're setting up, I think it actually is absolutely about work-life balance because you're looking at all the different domains of your life and you're starting strong in each of those, right? Because you've got your spiritual component uh, or, you know, the prayer, the meditation, you've got your physical component with the exercise, you've got your vocational component with planning your day, the time component, and you've got the mental component, which is also spiritual and it's also all these other ones, but it's that sense of, you know, programming your mind. But this is what things I want you to think about and look for. Sure. You're, so you're setting that filter that changes how you see everything else from that point forward. You're looking for things to be grateful for. It's so, it's so powerful. And, and I remember in terms of being thankful, I, I, many times because I live in Houston, the fourth largest city in the U S and for a while, for many years, I ran my business out of what's called the, what was called the Houston city club. It's basically a, an indoor tennis club, like a social club, like fine yeah. dining, a really nice place. And I'm not accustomed growing up to going to like country clubs, <laughs> but I remember I was overseas and mm. I forgot where I was in Latin America and literally it was just hot and there was no AC and we were just grinding it out. And, and I was thankful because I was prepared but then I got back and literally within 12 hours, you fly back. I'm sitting here at the city club. I have someone serving me and it's just like, holy cow, we have it so good. Mm-hmm. Part of it is that contrast, that comparison. Yeah. And, and I don't want to downplay people's lives because it's more than just things and money because right. you can have bad situations in your life and you can have a lot <laughs> for, of money. But sure. when you just think about just the daily provisions, I am not in need. And just to be mm-hmm. thankful for literally the mm-hmm. daily bread that you have, the daily food that yeah. you have, it just changes, it just changes things. And it's hard it to do everything. It's hard to do that every day. It's hard to do that consistently, but it doesn't accidentally happen. You know, being intentional about it does does make a difference. Absolutely. And ha- having a time for it that's set in there. So when you have a strong morning routine, do you also have a strong evening routine to set up for that success so that on your team that kind of recaps on your day and helps to see like reflecting on 
how balanced your day was? Yeah, no, great, great question. Uh, again, this is just, I'm just sharing some of my stuff for, totally. for those listening and, and everyone's a little bit different. We, we kind of coach people. It's general process model, but at the same time, everyone's a little bit different. So let me just take a quick step back. Mm-hmm. Every 90 days, I get away for at least one day to think, to plan, to pray, to just to, to evaluate, to be away, to be, to be alone sometimes too. Sometimes my wife and I get to go together. We have the business together. We might go away for two days. But literally, I think through every area of my life, we talk about work-life balance, I think through the eight different areas of, of life, mm-hmm. to the business. So every quarter, I get away to kind of go deeper on thought, deeper on things. Yeah. And critical. It's critical. And then usually once a month, it's, 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 it's not getting away, but you know, a little bit more. And then every week, it's, it's really on the Friday is where I really, the, the end of the day on Friday, really evaluate things, evaluate the week. Um, but on a daily basis, I don't really, um, I don't really evaluate every single day until the next day. And so, um, in so that morning, I, yeah, that morning. So that's kind of my rhythm. I mean, some people, uh, what I've done in the past, sometimes it works too, is, uh, by four fifty-five, essentially you plan your next, you know, you plan your next day. So I still kind of mm. plan the next day mm-hmm. a little bit. I, when I do that, I kind of review, but it's really the weekly thing is where I do most of my review for the week, like that. How, how everything works. I mean, first of all, brag on, I want to brag on you for a second. You probably do do that better than anyone else is just your rhythms of, of planning and reviewing. And certainly the way you look at your own time uh, is, is a paragon for, for everybody. Yeah. I've been developing my systems for a while now. You're talking about having the, that, you know, structure of time and my wife and I have been <laughs> developing that same kind of structure. Yeah. Uh, we do our weekly reviews on Sundays other than Fridays, but yeah. uh, we, we do those. We have systems that we re- reflect back on those. We try and have some kind of trip or something where you get away, you know, once a quarter uh, to, re- you know, do more general views. You have our annual review as well, looking back on a larger scale and setting up themes um, for the, for years, quarters, half years, uh, months, weeks, days, I kind of, fractal it down. Um, and yeah, I've been developing a really, really, uh, it's, it's complicated, <laughs> uh, but it works for me. It works for me. It's something I've been developing for a while for my morning routine, the, all the different systems and rituals that I have in place of that and how it falls on from an evening routine. And I've been doing that successfully for a while now and I'm really, really loving it. Right. Yeah. But I, I like how you're saying about how, you know, it's different for everybody because that's one thing that I work with with coach with people that I coach is the personality and seeing you know what their time scale is and relevant to their personality and how frequently do they need to review so like for myself I need to review things more frequently than my wife does because if it goes longer than a few hours it falls off my like my radar and so it doesn't I don't have that as a sense of accomplishment past that time so I'll get to the end of the day I'm like man I didn't get anything done because I got it all done in the morning but it was too far away for me to really feel it. Um, and so having some kind of way for me to measure it and then re- review that regularly so it gets carried over <laughs> really makes a big difference for me. Um, and then uh, same thing with, you know, weekly sc- schedules, like she reviews certain things weekly, I review some things daily because of that, because you have different time scales. So calibrating uh, your reviews to make sure that you're finding that sense of balance um, in a pattern that fits for you, not just your favorite guy on YouTube is really important. <laughs> Cool. have you um in you mentioned your wife amy who's a lovely amazing person and a great coach herself in her own right uh and getting into this entrepreneurial journey and also figuring out 
you know, <laughs> how to find balance along the way. Yes. What are some things you've learned about how to connect with her during the entrepreneur challenge and being able to maintain that aspect of that relationship there through all those stresses? Absolutely. Great question. Couple things would be at the beginning, it was hard, very hard. And Amy actually tells great stories about this in her coaching because we do, she does a lot of communication coaching and communication with teams and family based businesses, a lot of family based businesses. She has this conversation. But we've that's kind of her niche, right? Is working with couples doing this. Exactly. So she, she, she tells us better than I do. But essentially, when we started the business 14 years ago, and we were, were married for about 14, I mean, 15, you know, 14 and a half years. So like, it all kind of started about the same time. And it didn't work out really well at the beginning mm -hmm. for in terms of working the business together. And so we actually decided to not do business together at the beginning. And then we re-engaged many years later. Mm -hmm. So that was a problem. And also when you're- you, but know, you when you're I love that though, because you communicated about it. You decided not to for this time. Yes. And you're able to come back again later. Yes. And she eloquently puts, if we, if we wanted to stay married, we needed to not work together. And so I didn't quite have it quite that extreme of you, but that's what she said. So, um, you know, we believe marriage is for life, you know, for yep. us at least. And, and so, we <laughs> want, you know, obviously our marriage, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's priorities too. Yeah, your marriage exactly. comes to run your business. Like you prioritize, like, if you think about yes. even my priorities, like I love entrepreneurship, but like God, my wife, my kids, and then my business. I mean, really right. like that's the priority of things. And Yep. That's just the way, that's the way it is. And so when, again, when you have that lined out, your priorities, it makes decisions a lot easier. But mm -hmm. to answer your question a little bit more with Amy, I've, I, I kind of, I mean, so again, she, she allows me to do this, but mm -hmm. I take the lead. She lets me be the leader in both our home and in our business. Mm -hmm. And so there's a d distinction of roles in, in each of those. And there's, there's no lack of clarity of, of different roles in, in each of those situations. But mm -hmm. Um, with that responsibility, um, I, I'm here to serve her and, and mm -hmm. sacrifice my life for her, both in the business and personal. And so mm -hmm. um, hopefully she gets the better end of the stick of that deal. You know, and hopefully I'm, I'm leading with uh, just listening and, and responding and always doing what's best interest for her. And so mm -hmm. in my mind, what's best interest for, for us in the business? Well, I'll give you an example today. Mm -hmm. We have a team meeting every day with all our coaches. She's there. And we're talking about the business. We actually had a meeting about our business finances uh, at 10 o'clock this morning. So we have meeting rhythms, just like any company. We have different roles and responsibilities, just like any company. And actually, it's more important when you work with your spouse to have clearly defined roles. Yeah. And then personally, um, we do date nights uh, twice, a, twice a month. And I, I don't talk about work during those dates Mm -hmm. I, and I, I'm actually, I'm actually the one that actually doesn't talk about work more than her. She actually talks about work more than I do. And so sometimes I'm like, hey, let's not talk about work during this time. So basically you have isolated things where you don't talk about work right. together. And then, you know, we have every Sunday, we totally take off time. And so we do mm -hmm. family and we do church together and we totally. do family time together. And so we have that, that going on. And um, so the key is, but, but then again, it goes back to purpose. Like her and I are so in sync with why we exist as human beings and what we're here mm -hmm. to do. We're all on the same page there that even when we do have communication differences or different preferences, either in business or life, we're able to navigate through those because those are less important to us than the actual, right. the reason why we are. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and bringing this into like the digital world a bit too, because that's one of the things I remember struggling with uh, 
my wife is like my wife and I, you know, live in the same place. And then I'm having all these meetings with people digitally and I'm there, but I'm also elsewhere. I'm probably like halfway between here and Houston right now yeah. because, <laughs> because of Zoom <laughs> over in the interwebs and, and yeah. she's, you know, doing things in the house and whatnot. So, but I'm not here with her. Right. And it's really easy to get distracted and to all the meetings and all the stuff that's going on and get so my head out there in all the digital things and then not making the time to be intentional about regrounding myself, pulling myself back. Okay. I'm here with my wife right now and we're going to go have lunch together. And I'm not thinking about the next meeting. I'm not thinking about this other thing. I'm thinking about her right in front of me. Yes. Right. How important that is. Yeah. Uh, to be able to have that grounding. Cause I think that's something that ties directly into that sense of balance because we get imbalanced between digital and physical too. Yes. Uh, particularly for a technologist like me, yeah. <laughs> it's really easy to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's good. And in, in, on the same topic, but just transitioning just a little bit, because I'm not sure if we spoke about it yet, mm. but the single folks out there, it's actually can Absolutely. be even worse. To be yes. to some degree. And, and I was when I was talking about my early career, I was single. Mm-hmm. And that can become a major problem because there's not always a spouse or something you have to do to create balance. So you actually right. have to be more intentional about creating balance because anyway, I, I just know that absolutely a single person. And then the other thing is uh there, there's just sometimes mentally there's a different expectation. I don't know. It's it's not very unhealthy, mm. especially actually if you work yeah. for somebody else. Where I've seen businesses where there's like literally a different expectation for single people than for work people than for married people. And, I can expect you like to be married to your job kind of thing. Exactly, and, and it's very mm. unhealthy. Yeah, it's, it's bad out there. It's really out there, and so I think you have to be extra diligent about having mm. those boundaries and having yeah. that balance in your own life if you if you are single. And by the way. I know we talked a lot about marriage. I love being married, but I love being single too. If you are single yeah. right now, like, I mean, listen, for sure, it, it's awesome. And so keep, you know, it, it's a great time, but it can be worse with balance because yeah. you can just work 24 seven with no restrictions. And going back to like finding your why and how that provides anchoring, because that's more important, right? The same thing happens when you don't have a family, because it's really easy to say, well, my wife, my kids are more important than my job. But if you're if you don't have a wife or kids, you just have you know, friends. It's harder to say that. Say my relationships and my community around me is more important than my job. That's a lot harder to say, and particularly pitched to a grumpy boss who's trying to get you to work overtime again and again and again. And so it's harder to do that. But realizing that yes, for me to be a complete human, for me to be able to grow and be healthy and to be able to do my job effectively. I need to have that sense of community. I need to have that balance where I'm connecting with people around me. Like you said earlier, locally connecting with people around you, doing stuff together is so critical and so important that, yeah, you know, it it is more important than your job at that time when, when you need that. If you don't have it, it is more important to add that in and make sure that it's there. Absolutely. I love it. All right, is there anything else uh, that you'd like to share with our audience uh, before we wrap up here? Well, great question. I we talk about work-life balance. It's one thing I want to make sure that is is distinguished is I, I do believe 
first of all, that wor work is meaningful and work is a joy as well. Yes. It's just not the joy. It's not the most important thing. And just the word work-life balance is, is kind of an interesting, maybe an over, overused words in some degree. Mm -hmm. But the way I look at it is I'm a very competitive person mm -hmm. and I'm a very driven person. And that's a problem if you're one-dimensional. Yes. Because what that can do is you can, it can just drive you into being great at one thing. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people that have done some amazing things in the world or that have perceived to do amazing things in the world that are one dimensional. And we look up to people that are one dimensional, mm. but I don't want their life because mm -hmm. it can be a horrible life. I don't care if you are a champion of the NHL, if all you're doing is playing hockey and practicing at the expense of every single other thing, it can ruin your life. So you might be looked at as a champion, but really things are ruined. So I look at every element of my life and I'm like, man, I'd like to be a winner in faith. I mean, what does that look like to win in faith? What does that look like to win in health? What does that look like to win in friendship, to win in dating, to win in personal finance, to win in personal development? What does it like to win in fun? And you look <laughs> at all these different areas and you evaluate them yeah. and work is one of those, you know, seven or eight or, you know, six to 10 areas or however you categorize it. And it, it's made a big difference for me. So I just want to thank you. I guess final, final comments. I'm super uh, thankful to be on this uh, connection. With My you pleasure. And Honor. James and, and thanks for, you know, a lot of people, I've been interviewed by a lot of people. I have a lot of friends that are out there and some people they're, what is it? They, they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. And I know we're not perfect. And I know you're not perfect and I'm not perfect, but I think we both genuinely believe in what we say. And it's not just yeah. word service. We like, we literally believe this. Yes. And we literally want this to is like important. live it out. Whereas a lot of times, you know, it's, you just see things that are just this facade. So anyway, thanks for being real and authentic friend. And I'd love to connect with you later on this. Absolutely. I'm sure we're gonna have many more episodes in the future. Thank you so much again, Jared, uh, for coming on. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you had your curiosity sparked to explore these subjects with greater awareness or gained a valuable insight along the way. Take a look at the show notes for links to where you can find Jared, leave reviews wherever you can, and make sure to join the conversation on my Discord. Remember, community is the catalyst that drives lasting transformation. I'll see you in the next episode of Catalytic Curiosity.